Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Jens Nelson. I am Lucas Stock. And this is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life as we strive for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. So, welcome. Uh, we're, we're back with a, a fresh episode this week. Last week it was pretty crazy. My wife and I were in Chicago. Lucas and his wife were out somewhere, maybe Alabama, the, yeah. the woods Mentone, somewhere. Mentone, Alabama. The, there you go. The, the booming mountain village of Mentone, Alabama. Sounds like fun. But I mean, we were all celebrating our anniversaries. I mean, you guys were celebrating yours. We were celebrating ours. We just happened to get married very close together, but a year apart. Um, so we, yeah, we were gone last weekend. It was busy, so we didn't get around to recording a new episode, but we're back. And today, as always, the conversation is very interesting, very intriguing, and well worth your time. So we're talking about tattoos, as you probably already guessed. And this is something that, I don't know, I feel like, why hasn't this come up yet? Uh, We've been doing this podcast for over two years, 200 episodes. You'd think at some point we'd be like, hey, let's talk about tattoos. Or someone would have been like, hey, you should talk about tattoos. But I don't even know if they've ever really come up. Uh, if you've listened to all 200 episodes and you know which episode we've talked about tattoos on, drop a comment. Let us know. Uh, but to, if, if my memory serves me well, this is the, the first time we've really sat down to talk about tattoos. Um, and I think I think we're just going to approach it as like, should Christians get tattoos? Uh, are, are tattoos sinful? Because it kind of seems like it, at least maybe in Leviticus. Uh, but... If you know Lucas and I, you know that we both have tattoos, and our wives have tattoos. So either Lucas and I are really big hypocrites and like super sinful all the time, or they're okay, or somewhere in between. Hopefully by the end, we'll find out. So what do you think, Lucas? How do we want to start this bad boy talking about tattoos? Yeah, I mean, I think maybe part of why it hasn't come up as a topic or some part of a different conversation is like, I I just don't know like how interesting it is, you know, like how many people in, you know, obviously from our own one perspective, you know, our circle of the world at this point in time our generation our types of churches that that we've you know sort of grown up in and stuff like it seems like not something that is controversial in a way that it maybe used to be controversial obviously there are people who don't like tattoos there are people who do think that they're unacceptable for this or that reason Um, there are people who think they're cool or couldn't care less about them And then obviously there are also different um, important cultural contexts where tattoos have certain meanings that that maybe are like legitimately part of the significance of tattoos within a given culture. Like I think of the Maori culture in New Zealand Um, and the little bit that I know just, just about the role and the significance that tattoos play you know what we would call tattoos play in um the indigenous uh cultural traditions and also spiritual and religious traditions um which is obviously a very different setting than you know a judeo vaguely judeo-christian-ish western culture you know that we sort of you know everything's a little more jumbly you know, but that's kind of where our heritage comes from that isn't really historically part of the culture and tattoos are more of a um, social fringe, you know, like when they first start appearing um, associated with at various times and places, you know, like sailors and soldiers or gangsters or things like that. and then another sort of cultural component might be, you know, another example of a different sort of, you know, a negative sort of connotation culturally is a place like um, Japan and, and a lot of other East Asian countries where um, it, until 
relatively recently was illegal to do tattoos in Japan because of prior um, associations with criminals um, because criminals would be tattooed to communicate what their crime was and so so you know there are there are there are a million and one um, contexts in which somebody's view of tattoos is going to vary and the reason they like or dislike it or what they associate with it or what kind of tattoos they have or see around them obviously is going to vary um, but I do think coming from our particular strain of American Christianity like there it's kind of like how when we went to Moody you know like we were allowed to if we so desired to spend a ton of money we were allowed to go to the movie theater and watch movies but like we knew that at Moody Bible Institute, there was a time, you know, a generation or less before where that was against the rules. And it's, I feel like tattoos are, are broadly speaking, not everybody would agree with this, but within the church culture that I feel like most of our audience probably is at least somewhat familiar with, um, it seems like something like that, where maybe our grandparents or parents you know, would dislike them or, you know, have concerns about if you're going to be able to get a job or if you're going to be able to like, you know, if you're going to be, people are going to look at you funny or differently or look down on you, you know, like there's this set, you know, maybe this sense of a lack of respectability or a lack of like class that might be associated with it. And that's kind of faded away as tattoos have become more mainstream in American culture and, media and um i don't know i feel like there's there's a lot of of that that goes on into why somebody would care about it but whenever i think of like you know talking about tattoos it's it it does come from a place of like there are people who used to or do think that there's some kind of sin component to it there's there's some reason that it's it's not just an issue of like well you got to be careful about your, you know, job prospects. But other than that, do what you want. But like, cause that's, that's whatever, you know, that's, that's, that's just your choice, I guess. But I mean, it's similar, like just real quick. That's, it's similar yeah. to like a dress code, for example, like at an office, yep. you might be expected to wear a suit and a tie and you couldn't wear jeans and a t-shirt. It's not that wearing a jeans and t-shirt is sinful, but it's that there's a certain set of rules or regulations or just a general like assumption about how an office space works. And I think historically yeah. tattoos were viewed as something that were not deemed uh, office space appropriate, for example. Right. And I think that uh, as far as the, the, the question of like, oh, well, you know, like it's, it's bad or it's sinful or a Christian shouldn't get a tattoo. Like that kind of thing is, it, that's a good example where like there are people, you know, I've, I've seen, I've seen the clips online. Like there are people who will preach against wearing jeans or maybe not jeans, maybe it's shorts. I don't know. Like who will say that a certain kind of dress code, so to speak, which is just a totally you know, like fashions change. You know, we don't make clothes the same way we used to. We don't, make the clothes look different than they used to. Like, that's just a, that's just whatever. But like, there are people who think certain clothes are literally, you know, you as a Christian cannot wear them. And, and the vast majority of people would never say that, even if they would prefer to dress up on Sunday or, um, whatever. And a similar thing I think can be said with tattoos. Like there are people who would say, Oh, well, you can't, you, you can't, if you're a Christian, you can't do that. Like that's wrong. You can't do that. Um, even though most people, I think, today in our uh, slice of the world would probably be more like, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't get the appeal, but, you know, that's just a fat, that's more or less just a fashion choice. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like, obviously, uh, the the reason that people in the past and present say that this is somehow some kind of... Uh, sin issue or you know an issue of 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 christian living and not just a matter of aesthetic personal choice or artistic expression or whatever other sort of uh motivation you could apply to getting tattoos in in this context that we have in, in our culture um 
is because the Bible says not to do it. And that's a true statement. The Bible does say not to get tattoos. Um, in you alluded to it earlier, Leviticus 19.28, which, as far as I can tell, as far as I know, is the only place where tattoos are mentioned in the Bible. At least the word tattoo. And certainly the only place where there's like a command not to, I think. I said certainly, I think. There, but there are a couple that might be... Okay. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, that's helpful. So let's let's start with Leviticus because because I think it, it is what people would think of if they're like, oh wait, doesn't the Bible? I mean, if you know. just like Google tattoo Bible, it's it's right. the one first thing that's going to come up because it's the time that the word shows up. I mean, it's in the ESV translation, the word tattoo. And that verse nineteen twenty eight in Leviticus says, "You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh on account of the dead, or tattoo any marks upon you. I am the Lord." end of end of sentence right pretty cut and dried in the sense like if you just read it you shall not do it all right i mean you know that that's sounds familiar you know you shall not worship other gods check you you know you shall not murder check you know we don't have any problem reading those verses and being like okay maybe i don't well hopefully i don't murder but you know like maybe i don't always live up to keeping the Sabbath day holy, or I don't always live up to um, not coveting my my neighbor's possessions and and stuff. But I don't have a problem with the idea of saying, "Oh, you know, this is God's law. This is what He's He's commanded. I won't do it." But then we get into the you know that that's Exodus. That's easy. But then we get into Leviticus, and we just kind of like you know we can just kind of fudge around and be like, "Well, you know, like yeah, God said." don't get a tattoo but obviously you know we can get tattoos right on right (laughs) um and and so so it is it is true that like this is a verse that's in the bible and it means something um and it's not some secret code to make it mean something that it doesn't say but it's also true that more is going on just like literally every word of scripture (laughs) um (laughs) But specifically, like, with this with this verse, like, I get really frustrated when people say, oh, you, we, we come to a verse that's, that is, is difficult or it doesn't really make sense or it seems really weird to us. And we kind of throw up our hands and say, well, this is just some kind of cultural difference that, you know, there's this there's this gap between in this case you know the ancient near eastern culture of israel as they're receiving the law and my culture today and because of that gap you know it just doesn't really matter and it's basically sort of a hermeneutical excuse to ignore something that you don't like or don't really see how it's relevant right we can say there, I don't, you know, I can come up with imaginary reasons why people might have problems with tattoos, but none of them really apply to me. And if I think about people in my church, my job, my school, my neighborhood, my country, whatever. So, you know, yeah, God said this, but I can kind of ignore it, basically, because it doesn't fit, which is, I think, always 100% of the time, I'm going to say, when I hear someone appeal to, you know, some kind of cultural explanation, that is always in the back of my mind as a as a wide open door to real danger. Because if we don't pay attention to that wide open door, we end up just getting to remake the biblical text in our own image and just make it say what we want it to say or what we think it should say, um, rather than actually dealing with what does it say and then interpreting what it says, right? And what it says is don't get a tattoo. So, all of that said, I think that there are culturally conditioned things that affect the interpretation of the biblical text. I'm not even talking about like what you do with your interpretations or how, you know, how you weigh certain passages, you know, compared to other passages or, or whatever. But just in the process of interpretation, we we can say in Leviticus 19.28, God says, don't get a tattoo. That's a true statement, but that kind of obscures 
the rest of the truth, the, the, the more that's going on, that becomes really apparent when you look at the context, which is always the first thing you need to do if you have a question about a verse or a word or an idea or whatever. And starting with the context of the rest of that sentence, you have making cuttings in your flesh on account of the dead, right? Which right there is something that's very different than, you know, merely the idea of putting ink under your skin to permanently make a mark that stays there. Um, there's something going on here that, you know, I we think of uh, the conflict between Elijah and the prophets of of Baal, and we, we see them to get, you know, as part of their, you know, trying to uh, invoke Baal to, you know, burn up the sacrifice. They're, they're cutting themselves as part of their prayers and, and such. Um, and so I'm not saying that's the same thing, but I'm just saying like other places in the Bible, if we think about it very quickly, kind of potentially offer us a little bit of a window into like, well, what does it mean to like make cuttings in your flesh for the dead? It seems to be some sort of religious practice. Mm. Um, and maybe, maybe not just religious, but, but certainly I would imagine um, have some kind of religious connection as well. Um, and then also we want to look at the rest of what's going on in Leviticus in general, but, but especially the, you know, the chapter surrounding this verse and we see all these laws about um things that seem kind of like uh the connection isn't necessarily abundantly clear like there's a lot of there's a lot of laws about about sexual morality and sexual practices there's a lot of laws about um like I, like I, if I remember, I don't have it pulled up in front of me. I should have pulled it up, but I believe the the command like right after this or right before this is like, don't uh, defile your daughter by making her a prostitute, right? Which which is not just it's it is, but it's not only sexual. You've also got this sort of you know dynamic of of um, with the family relationship there and stuff, and and so. <sighs> If I could summarize the book of Leviticus and especially this section of Leviticus, um, it would be holiness. And God is, as part of the, the, the entire Mosaic covenant and the, the, the entire sort of goal of the Mosaic law, is he's creating, he's calling out and, and making a people holy as he is holy for the sake of in the Abrahamic promise to, to uh, where all the nations of the world will be blessed in Abraham. And we see this uh, very fully explained more so in Hebrews. The, the holy people of God, of Israel, were meant to be holy, meaning set apart, separated, called out, for the sake of fulfilling a, a priestly role to the surrounding Gentile pagan nations, you know, we read about the Can the Canaanites and the all the ites, <laughs> uh, Amorites and and all that stuff, um, who were not worshippers of the God of Israel, who did not uh, engage in, you know, uh, we could say maybe spiritually healthy religious practices, <laughs> um, and there is a I don't want to say that like this is the whole reason for every law because that would be that would be silly um, but I do think that we see the 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 role of like they weren't even allowed to marry these nations and it's because of this um, setting apart that God's doing to make them separate not because they're better, you know, he talks about how they're the smallest and the weakest and the, you know, not the best nation, but because of the work that God is doing in and among them and through them. And part of that means not engaging in the religious practices of the surrounding nations. And it, it's reasonable from the context um, to infer that cutting yourself for the dead and, you know, making um, marks on your body 
tattooing yourself are have have more significance than just a cool looking design, right? Um, which is important, obviously, yeah. and a diff not a difference, you know, not something that we're unfamiliar with, but certainly not sort of the main reason we go get tattoos. Not even the main reason I go get tattoos, right? Like I, I, I don't view my tattoos as a as a um, a spiritual uh, experience, which you know that that's that's something else that's another another angle we we could talk about but as far as this verse goes i think that placing it in the context of ancient israel in the ancient near east in this collection of laws regarding the holiness i think helps illuminate what's going on and it's not so much that like oh well anything goes it just depends on where you are in history whether or not it goes for you it's i i don't think that simple um but i think that something like this there is a noticeable difference in terms of the practice of quote unquote tattooing that we are interpreting this verse to be implying in ancient canaan versus you know, the modern Western world, for example. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I think to, to help maybe summarize what you've said here is that the, the, the book of Leviticus is a very particular set of, of laws and rules and regulations for Israel as a nation, like you said, um, because God calls Israel as his people to be holy, to look different from the, the world around them, from the pagan world. You mentioned the Canaanites, the Amorites, those other ites. Um, and a lot of the times, uh, many of these commands had more to do with the associated pagan beliefs than the actual practice. Because, for example, we see in the New Testament uh, that Jesus and Paul and others like will say, you know, you've, you've heard, but I say to you, or like when um, I'm thinking of like, I think in Acts where is it is that acts where peter sees the like the vision and like the jesus says you know take up and eat or whatever um like at one point there were these foods that were off limits that the israelites were not allowed to eat um but it wasn't inherently that eating meat was sinful right but it had to do with a a socio-religious culture and and what what god's law at the time had had commanded Um, but then in the new testament we see this this paradigm shift it's not that those things are, are dumb or gone, um, but Christ has come to fulfill them, to illuminate them further, to make things more clear. Um, and so the, the, the problem that I have most frequently when people jump to Leviticus for any number of things, it, it's funny to me because there will be certain things that they pick out in Leviticus and they're going to be like, see, don't do it. It says you can't do it. But then literally verse 27. So we read 1928, 1927. Uh, in the CSB says, uh, you are not to cut off the hair at the sides of your beard or mar the edges of your beard. Uh, so are we going to start? So men, you better stop cutting your beards because if you start cutting the sides, if you mar the sides of your beard, it's going to be sinful. I mean, th- this is this is what we have to remember when, when reading something like Leviticus is that, um, like, like you've already alluded to, there's this very specific associated... Uh, pagan belief or ritual or something that maybe even before Israel had been engaged in that God was wanting to uh, have them cease or do differently for the purpose of setting them apart for them being holy for being a nation called out to be a, a you know a city on a hill um, so that, that, all I'm saying is we we do need to to bear those things in mind we need to be careful when you, when we read these texts or else we just get all sorts of crazy like super strict legalism. And we've had episodes recently about legalism. It's not always about following to a T the letter of the law, uh, because obviously I cut my beard like once a week. Does that mean I'm living in sin? Like certainly not. But it says don't, you know, don't cut the the sides of your beard. So what what do we? How, how do we pick and choose which things we want to do? And I know that that's a critique, many times from people outside of scripture. Uh, because I know Christians, for example, on topics like homosexuality, they will appeal to what is said in Leviticus. 
um, but at the same time, they're they have fabric that has you know blended fabric. They they eat meat. They they cut their beard. And so like how hypocritical of you Christians to to say you can't do this one thing, but then you guys do all these other things. So what I'm trying to say is we need to be careful. We also need to appeal to the entire biblical text. We can't just you know Bible tattoo and then jump to Leviticus and say oh they're just outright wrong. Um, we need to be careful. Um, we need to be biblical, wise, cautious, and, um, yeah. Did you have more you wanted to say on that before we sort of jump to a possible another, a a different text? No, yeah, I, I just, like, the, the nuance and the, you know, the hard work of answering these kinds of questions and the reason I think, like, the question of tattoos or the question of, you know, shirts with more than one material uh in them is it it is this is a question of of what does the law mean for christians and that's a much bigger topic and a much bigger question with with you know obviously more going on than just tattoos or you know cutting your beard or whatever but um the reason that that you know sort of classic internet atheist type critique doesn't work is because it's it it misunderstands the text because it's misunderstanding the role that the mosaic law plays in the christian life just like a complete strict you know uncritical legalism where we recreate a society where you know you have to (laughs) give your ox to your neighbor if you accidentally kill their ox or whatever you know like just starts to sound ridiculous if we think about trying to keep all of the law exactly the reason that that sounds that that is not feasible um or one of the reasons i should say is is it's it's not feasible is that it's not what the law is meant to do and it's also not especially specifically for Christians, the way that we are meant to interact with the law. And we see things like in um, Acts with the basically, the, you know, the revelation to Peter kind of showing him the, this, this difference in, you know, unclean versus clean foods. And we see that that is actually about the inclusion of Gentiles in the people of God. And more importantly, what that leads to is the Jerusalem council where the conclusion is that, you know, you don't have to become a Jew to be a Christian. Everyone can be a Christian. And they send out these to the Gentile churches, this letter where they say, you know, do like, do these things. And it says to abstain um, from, I believe it's abstain from meat sacrificed to idols, abstain from sexual immorality, and abstain from eating blood, Um, which we should do an episode about eating blood maybe. But um, the point being like right there, we have this, this these are the things that that the church moved by the Holy Spirit, um, meeting together in council, the leader, the, the, you know, the bishops of the church meeting together in the council and promulgating their prayerful conclusions. Uh, these are the things that, that we're saying you need to do, right? Um, we're, we're not saying keep the Mosaic law full stop. We're saying, for example, abstain from sexual immorality. So right there, there's this, there's this key for understanding when we go back to the Mosaic law and we see something like, don't make your daughter a prostitute. Don't, you know, uh, don't sleep with your mother-in-law or whatever was going on in Corinth like we can we can see this this much more direct line to questions of sexual morality that Leviticus you know the law speaks in a little bit more of a direct way to us today than when it comes to something like you know uh the the ceremonies of the temple which no longer exists and you know we see in in hebrews how the temple has been fulfilled because it is a it is a shadow pointing forward to the the true temple in heaven which which um christ has 
you know, once for all and its sacrifice, et cetera, et cetera. Hopefully, hopefully I'm not babbling too much. We're recording this quite late at night and we don't typically do it this late. But um, my point is that there, we're not, we're not going around and picking and choosing what we like and don't like. And I like tattoos, but I don't like uh, gay people. Or I like, um, uh, you know, I like pork, but I don't like whatever else, right? Like, that's not what we're doing. Because you can do that, and you can be a hypocrite, and just and, and you're just doing what you want. You're not actually living under any kind of law except your own. <laughs> you're just picking and choosing what you like. Um, but what's but what's actually happening is there's this because that because Christ has come, because the law has been fulfilled. The law and the prophets have not been abolished. Christ says, but they're they're fulfilled in Him. There, there, the law matters. The law, like capital L, Leviticus. Uh, Deuteronomy like the law doesn't just go away um, it is not as simple as well we just need to follow it just like the people of Israel did when Moses and Aaron and Joshua were alive neither one of the you know saying the law is useless and doesn't matter or saying that it is a one-to-one for us just like it was for them both of those are sort of two ends of a spectrum that don't work and what we see the the apostles in the New Testament and what we see the early church doing is something that isn't always as easy. But with something like tattoos, we can kind of see an example where you you do need to understand what's going on because it's it's in the Bible for a reason, right? Like God said it for a reason. You can't just discount that and ignore it because it doesn't make sense. But... You can also look around at what's going on and be like, you know, confident, not, not just, not just picking and choosing what, what I like, but confident that yes, I, I, I am at peace with getting tattoos that I'm not in fact breaking God's law. Right. And, um, I think that's sort of the, 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 one of the big points is, is like, this conversation opens a door to that conversation because it's one of those things that strikes us as so weird about the law. Right. Um, well, I mean, if we, we see around us today, at least. Right. And I mean, the thing is, if we just had Leviticus, if we were living on some Island, you've never read the Bible, you know, nothing. And if you just had Leviticus, I mean, on the one hand, we, we know that you would not have the full story. Like, there's no Jesus, there's no gospel, there's no resurrection, uh, ascension, any of that. Um, But we still get a picture into what it was like to live uh, as an Israelite. But we would also, I think, I mean, maybe it would depend, but this is obviously just a hypothetical. But, like, that person, if they were to live that out perfectly, could we even say that they have earned or justified, quote-unquote, an entry into heaven? Like that's like to, to live out the law perfectly. If they have followed every single rule, didn't cut their beard, didn't eat the, you know, the meat they're not supposed to eat. They didn't get any tattoos. Like, is that enough? Is that how we're justified by following the law? Well, I mean, I'm not God. I'm not the one who makes, makes the decisions at the end of the day, but as Christians, we know that we're justified by, by faith in Christ and by his finished work that he accomplished for us um, in our place. And thankfully, Everything I've just said is a complete hypothetical for the most part. Uh, we do have the rest of Scripture, and for example, and so these are a couple, these are a couple of texts um, that might seem to indicate something about tattoos, or at least something similar. I don't know if you're familiar with this one, Lucas, but Isaiah forty nine sixteen. Uh, in in the ESV it reads, "Behold," and this is God speaking. I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. So that's that's kind of interesting. Obviously, we know that God doesn't have hands. He's not a, a, he doesn't have a a body like we do. Um, so this is figurative language describing God. But you know, talking about engraving you, Israel, on the palms of my hands. This is, you know, he, he figuratively spreads out his hands and says, "Look, I've I've written your name here. I know you." Um, you know, this is this is sort of like maybe a mark of indelible ink. Um, because again, like I said, he doesn't have actual arms doesn't have any real ink, doesn't have any real marks. 
Um, but the, the picture he's trying to say is like, how can I forget you when I have tattooed your name on my hands or where I've made this, I've engraved your names on my hands. And it's interesting. I found, I was actually, I, I read a couple of articles. Um, Joe Thorne, if you're familiar with Joe Thorne, um, has, has some pretty good articles about it. But he notes that some scholars have suggested that Jews actually began tattooing their hands to remind themselves of the temple and of the Lord. And he cites the commentary, critical, uh, and explanatory explanatory on the whole Bible. That doesn't feel like a real sentence. Commentary, critical, and explanatory? Explanatory? Either way, there's some commentary out there by Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown uh, on Isaiah here where they talk about uh, this idea that perhaps Israel, uh, that, that, that Israelites began tattooing as a, as a way to sort of like hearken back to this, like engraving on their hands. Um, another one, and this one cracks me up, dude. Like this, this is kind of hilarious. This is Revelation, uh, 1916 in the ESV. It says on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So some have speculated that it, does like Jesus have thigh ink or is it some sort of like, you know, uh, you know, it's written on his garment, but it says thigh. Um, but some have seen this, 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 this name written um, as maybe some sort of mark or engraving or tattoo, so to speak. Um, but John records that the name was written on his robe and on his thigh. If it was just on his robe, but like on the thigh part of his robe, like why would he specify on his robe and his thigh? Um, you know, who, who knows, but again, it, it's not super clear. We can't really like stake our claim here, but this does seem to be at least another text that mentions some sort of mark. Um, and so I think, I think the the other big one that people will mention comes from Corinthians. So you'll, you'll notice we've mentioned two old Testament and two new Testament. Obviously the old Testament one's pretty pretty clear saying not to get tattoos. Um, this one also seems pretty clear, but first Corinthians six, 19 through 20 says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. And I think new Testament wise, this is probably one of the most common passages that comes up as far as like an argument against getting tattoos. Um, because you know, the saying goes, we, your body is not your own, <laughs> you know, glorify God in your body. Um, you're, you're, you're a, um, a temple of the Holy spirit. And so to get a tattoo would be to like graffiti up the temple, which no one would want to graffiti up the beautiful ornate temple of, of God. Right. Um, but the, the thing about this is, um, yes, we, we do, we must glorify God in our bodies, but what this does not address is whether or not tattoos dishonor God or the body. There probably are tattoos that you could get that would be very dishonoring. If you got something obscene or if, you know, you said F God or something like, I don't know, you could, you could certainly get a tattoo that is dishonoring. But at the same time, all of my tattoos have spiritual, religious, biblical uh, inspiration and like uh, images. I mean, I have a tattoo on my arm here uh, of, of Jonah uh, being thrown overboard to the whale um, I have a, a portrait here of John Calvin, um, which is sort of representative of a, a large portion of my theological beliefs. I have Romans 13, 14, just like the written Romans 13, 14, which for a while was quote unquote, my life verse. Um, and uh, I've got uh, Colossians three twelve, which talks about as God's chosen ones put on kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Um, so like all of mine in a sense, have, at least in, in my estimation, have glorified God in my body. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I was working valet with a bunch of kids who weren't Christians, and they would ask me what my tattoos mean. And it was an opportunity to share what they meant. Or how many times I, I've talked to random strangers on the street, or I've been in a tattoo shop getting another tattoo, and the tattoo artist asks me, one, what the current ink they're doing means, and what my other tattoos mean. Um, and so like more often than not, my, my tattoos, at least personally have been an invitation, um, to conversations that I may otherwise not have been able to have. I mean, I certainly could just go up to a random stranger on the street and share the gospel. Um, but that isn't always received as well as when someone has asked you a question about what something means to you personally, and you're able to give 
an explanation. But going back to this First Corinthians passage, uh, first of all, Paul is a is confronting and addressing sexual sin in the church. That's not to say he doesn't have other things in mind. But if we're going to consider the context of the passage, because we can't just read it and apply this to anything. I mean, what I could say is, you know what? Laser tag is sinful. You should not participate in laser tag because it says you better honor God in your body. You, you, everything you do in your body is, has to be honoring to God so you can't play laser tag. Like, obviously, that's kind of ridiculous, but th- th- that happens sometimes. We, we, we go to a text and we want to apply it to a particular situation that it does not apply to. And so if we, if we read 1 Corinthians, we see, uh, I read 19 and 20. If you back it up to 18, it says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual, sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? And then it goes on, as I said. So he, he's addressing that sexual sin uh, the, in saying that he argues that that sexual immorality defiles the body, defiles the temple. So it's true that how we treat the body does matter. It's true that we do belong to God, body and soul. We are not our own. We did not choose to exist. We did not create ourselves. We do not at this moment sustain ourselves. The fact that I'm living, breathing, speaking, seeing you right here in front of me, like all of this is because God uh, sustains and upholds me. And so the question we ought to ask is how do we glorify God in our body? What are the things that we think about? What are the things that we say? What are the things that we do? Um, you know, every, there's that, that cheesy song from when, if you grew up in church, like every move I make, I make in you. Right. Um, it's, it's that, uh, um, I forget the, the citation of, of scripture, but it's like every, in you, we have our, um, we exist and move and have our being or something, which ironically is quoting a pagan poet. It's not even like original to the author. He was quoting something that somebody else had said, saying like, even your poets know, uh, that, that God sustains us. Right. And so as we, as we live on this earth, as we, as we live and move and have our being, uh, you're right. We, we ought to seek to glorify God, um, in the things that we do. And so obviously God's word is our, is our guide. It's how we're directed. It's how we determine what is holy. What, what, what is it that honors God? So we, we ought to take it seriously. Um, and so, all, all this to say, maybe maybe you're somebody who's sitting on the fence. Maybe you're somebody who's like wanted a tattoo because like your friends have them and they seem kind of cool. But as you maybe heard as a kid, would you jump off a cliff if your friends were jumping off a cliff? Of course not, mom. Why would I want to jump off a cliff? Um, well, the same might apply. Like just because your friends are doing something, one, it doesn't necessarily mean it's right. Two, it doesn't mean that you should. Um, but... Also, like you have, uh, I'm blanking on the word. Is it audiophora? Is it, is that kind of how you say it? But there's there's this thing in the Christian life where um, it's not a direct prohibition. We we haven't been given like any like hard or fast rules, um, and so it's it's a matter of of Christian conscience and Christian liberty. And personally, uh, the the conclusion that I arrived at after talking to pastors after talking to my parents and after thinking about it for a long time, so this was before my first tattoo, it wasn't just that I was like, you know what, I'm going to go to the tattoo shop and go get a tattoo. I first talked to my youth pastor, I talked to another pastor, I talked to my mom and dad, and I thought about it before I actually did it. And I think that's really important, the the, the time that we put into thinking about it, um, because it's, it is an investment, not only financially, but you're committing to having this thing on your body for the rest of your life, unless you want to have it painfully removed or covered up with another tattoo. Um, and so I, I, I arrived at the conclusion that, that, that tattoos fell into that category of, of liberty, of, of having a, having the ability to, to use my conscience, which I've been, been given by God, uh, to determine if it was something that I wanted to do or not, if it was uh, quote unquote biblical or not, if it was allowed, if it was sinful. Um, but I, you know, just to say it clear, I think that tattoos are quote unquote lawful for the Christian to do. Um, I don't think that tattoos in general are prohibited in scripture. I think the prohibitions we see are pagan tattoos, tattoos that are associated with pagan beliefs, uh, pagan rituals, 
And so when it's prohibited for the Israelites, that's part of God's civil law to them. Um, it's not, it's not a, um, you know, a, a, as a theocracy, as the, as God governing them and giving them a law. Uh, I think that's one of those laws that falls into that category of this is not a, um, tried and true thing that we have to abstain from for all of time because it's just inherently wrong. This is one of those things that was for a specific time and place and purpose. But I don't know. I don't know if you what else you want to say. That's where I'm at. No, I think that's I think that is well said in a good way to to sort of bring it home to <clears throat> not just um, you know discussions about the ancient past, but also what does it mean not just in our heads today, but on just, you know, in terms of our actual, what we do and what we, what we do with what we believe, not just, um, you know, accruing facts that we place in our knowledge, but that we actually live out in a certain way. And, and I think that, um, the rubric of, of Christian liberty and the law of Christ and the freedom of the Christian is a really helpful place to put, um, you know, Body modification is what I was going to say. I know some things fall under that category that might be a little bit further than I think even we would maybe be comfortable with going with just treating your body with a certain level of integrity and respect. So like people who, you know, chop off their nose or whatever. Right. For no reason. Maybe that's a little different. But uh, regardless, body modification like piercings and tattoos for sure um, I think Christian liberty is is a really helpful way to think about those questions. And yeah, uh, the the way you know think about what it means to have Christian liberty. You know, think think about thinking thinking about what it means for Paul to talk about the weaker and the stronger in faith with um, meat sacrificed to idols or with certain holy days or or days of the week. You know, and um, thinking about what it means to be free you know, to, to do things, all things and, and, uh, what that, what responsibility that freedom comes with. Um, and I just think it's, a it's, it's important because it's not only helpful in this conversation and it's not only helpful in, you know, talking about how we live out our lives in our world, which is a very different world. Um, as we try to follow God, but also it's um, important for the conversation about the law in general, about interpreting the law and about applying individual pieces of the law that feel like they maybe don't fit as easily as something like don't murder or, you know, whatever else. So I think that that's super helpful. And, and I don't have anything, I don't have anything else to say. Um, I think we're, I was just going to close with, up. yeah, I was yep. going to close with a couple of words of advice as, as, as somebody who's had several tattoos, my wife has had several tattoos. If you're thinking about getting one, like these are just some helpful things to consider. And as I said, one of the things that's it's good to do is to wait. Uh, just like with any purchase, major purchase, sometimes impulse buys, uh, you can regret. And so if you're feeling like you want a tattoo, don't just look up something on the internet, think I'm going to slap this on my body, go get it at the closest tattoo shop or the cheapest tattoo shop and get it. Because honestly, you might regret it. Like so, so take some time, think about what you want to get, where you want to get it. If you want the tattoo artist to design it, um, call tattoo shops, talk to them, like get an idea of like what they like to do. Because most tattoo artists don't want to tattoo other people's tattoos. Like they want to do like what they want to do. Um, so like those are just like really helpful things to know um, when it's healing. If you get a tattoo, like don't pick at it. I used to pick at my tattoos, like my first one, for example. It actually kind of looks more like Rumens than Romans because the top of the O is so faded from getting picked at. Um, someday I'll probably get that one touched up. But just, you know, little helpful bits of advice. Um, another one is like tip your tattoo artist. Uh, that's something that my dad had told me when I went to, for my first tattoo. It wasn't something I would have thought of doing, uh, but it's just a, a, a you know a, a good thing to do to to show that you appreciate the the time and effort and work that somebody has done. So that's my little bit of advice on tattoos. Nice. We will wrap up with a prayer. 
This is a, um, I, I believe I've, I'm almost positive I've prayed this on an episode before. I just don't remember when or what episode it was. But um, this is a prayer uh, uh, attributed to John Wesley um, that fits fits with some of the the freedom stuff that that we've been that we've been touching on, especially in this second half. So let's pray. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Amen. Well, glad to knock this out and not leave people hanging with another repost. Not that our old stuff is bad. It couldn't be bad because we made it. But (laughs) it's always fun to be able to get together and knock out a fresh episode. And especially with uh, conversations that are fun and interesting to us, hopefully fun and interesting to you uh let us know and thank you for tuning in thank you for listening um we really appreciate it the you know you mentioned at the beginning just the the amount of time that we've been doing this and you know i know i know this last you know 2022 at least for us has been lots of ups and downs with schedules and work and school and you know just lots of lots of craziness that i feel like some weeks doxology feels a little bit on the back burner but you guys are still listening and we really appreciate that support and the feedback we've been getting. And, um, you know, if you've sent us an email, we have seen it, we have read it and, and we're working on it. Um, you, you know, we really, really want to hear all that stuff and get in touch with you guys and communicate. Um, so please reach out on, uh, in social media at doxology podcast, email at doxology podcast at gmail.com. And yeah, hopefully we'll hear from you soon and we'll see you next time. Peace out.